Though life down here is far from perfect and at times we'll suffer, we have a wonderful helper to lead us every step of the way. Grow in Grace is up next. Now, although the separation from their master was a painful prospect for these confused disciples, we understand, but they didn't have the book. They're living it. Nevertheless, they were to discover an inner strength and receive extraordinary comfort that's not available to them up until this moment. And then the Holy Spirit will come, of which you and I are the recipient of. Zion, now filled with hands, and in this place gotta dwell with man. Sick be healed and the crippled stand singing hallelujah. My kingdom built with the blood of my son, selfless sacrifice for everyone. Faith, hope, love, and harmony. I say let this world know me by your love. We continue to follow Jesus on his road to the cross here on Grow in Grace. Welcome to the program. Pastor Ed Ray is leading us through the Gospel of John right now, and today we find Christ preparing his disciples for what was ahead of them. In just a few short hours, Jesus would be on the cross, and he would leave them. But he would not leave them alone, for his Holy Spirit would soon enter the scene. Just as he would help them through life, he's our great helper too. We're in John 16. Chapter 16, verse 1, as we are working our way through the whole Bible, verse by verse. Jesus is speaking. He said, these things I have spoken to you, that you should not be made to stumble. They will put you out of the synagogues. Yes, the time is coming that whoever kills you will think that they offer God service. And these things they will do to you because they have not known the Father nor me. But these things I have told you that when the time comes, you may remember that I told you them. And these things I did not say to you at the beginning because I was with you. But now I go away to him who sent me. And none of you ask me where are you going. But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. And when he has come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Of sin because they do not believe in me. Of righteousness because I go to my father and you see me no more. And of judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. I still have many things to say to you. But you cannot literally understand them now. However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will tell you things to come. He will glorify me, for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore, I said that he will take of mine and declare it, speak it to you. Let's stop there and pray. Lord, we thank you that you have sent the Holy Spirit to teach us. Uh, we ask you to speak to us in a way that we'll understand, that you might change us, that we might leave this place differently than the way we came. We ask that in Jesus' name and all of God's people agreed by saying, 
Amen. So much to understand about life and things around us. Uh, someone sent me a little book called Kids Instructions for Life, How to Live Life Well. Of course, some of these kids are pretty insightful drawing from their vast experience of nine to 14 year olds. But actually, I love the first one. Rocky, age nine said, wear a hat when feeding seagulls. Good tip. Carol, age nine, Never ask for anything that costs more than $5 when your parents are doing taxes. Good. Joel, 12, don't pick on your sister when she's holding a baseball bat. <laughs> Michael, age 14, never tell your mom her diet's not working. Now, some of that's good advice, right? <laughs> and we all need advice, don't we, in life. We're all in the same boat that the disciples are in, whom Jesus is speaking to. He's preparing to leave, go back to heaven. He's going to be killed the next day on a crucifix. He says to them in John 12, this is the Living Bible, Oh, there is so much more I want to tell you, but you can't understand it now. The truth is there are some things that we'll never understand this side of heaven. Try as hard as we might. These are mysteries in this life we'll never be able to grasp here. Some of us don't understand our spouses, nor our children, or maybe our parents. Some of us don't really even understand ourselves. I've heard myself say, why in the world did I do that? And not know the answer. Some of us really don't know why. Why in the world? Why in the world? There's a lot in this world we don't understand. I was reading this week about General MacArthur. Most of you know his name, Douglas MacArthur. He was, served as the general overall of the U.S. forces. He had been nominated for the Medal of Honor three times. When he first entered the Army, he went into West Point as a cadet, like everybody else, first year. And he was known as a very brilliant, really quick student. But still, he was struggling with one class in physics, and it was the class that dealt with what they called then the time-space continuum. It was really going to be Einstein's theory of relativity, and few people understand it even today. The textbook, he said to the course, was complex, and being unable to comprehend it, he decided the only thing he could do was memorize the two pages on that subject. So word for word, he memorized those two pages. And sure enough, when he got to the class for the examination, he was the one that the professor, a guy by the name of Colonel Freiberg, asked to stand up. And he said, do you understand this theory? And so he solemnly stood at attention and quoted word for word these two pages out of the textbook. And the professor looked at him a little askew and he said, do you understand this theory? He stood at attention and the room was dead silent because they thought he was going to get creamed, you know. And he said, no, sir. <laughs> oh, no, they're going to kill him. And the long pause. And then the professor said, neither do I. <laughs> Class dismissed. MacArthur was relieved that he wasn't expected to know the answer of that question. I suspect there's a lot of things like that in this Bible that we're studying. There are questions about life and about God that you and I aren't expected to answer. We might offer a cliche, you know, something we've heard somebody else say, or, or maybe we make 
Uh, sometimes it's an educated guess, but we still don't have a clue. We're just taking a shot in the dark. For example, I don't understand why often good people suffer and why some really bad people seem to prosper. I know all the theological answers. I can quote you the scriptures, but I don't know. I don't understand why some people from the same family, some of the kids turn out to be terrible criminals, and the other kids from the same family will turn out to be sterling citizens. Having worked in science for many years, I kind of got used to the idea that some important parts of science are completely unknown right now. If you were with her a few weeks ago, I showed you pictures from the space telescope, and I was trying to understand a little bit more about it. And I was reading an astronomer, he's a brilliant guy, a researcher, but he was writing about these pictures. The mystery of outer space, he said. We don't know the size, we don't know where the edges to it are, we don't know whether it's expanding or accelerating. There's lots of fundamental basic questions we don't understand about the cosmos we live in. He said, the images from the new Webb Space Telescope are breathtaking, but there's a lot we need to learn before we can really appreciate them. Humorously, he said, adds this analogy. Think of it this way. You have a horrible eyesight problem, and you own a book with all the answers in the universe. And it isn't until you finally get glasses that you realize the book is written in Albanian, which you don't speak. <laughs> There's a lot of things like that, a lot of disease states that we don't understand. Cancer, we don't really know how to fight it yet effectively, so it works for everybody. So Jesus says to them, as he's walking with his disciples, there's a lot of things I'd like to tell you, but you wouldn't understand them. And that's still true today. Now, if you've been traveling with us, chapter 13 of this gospel, John, clear to 17, is one long sermon. It's the fourth sermon that Jesus gave. And he is with his disciples, it begins in the upper room, the place where the Last Supper was. So often it's called the Last Supper Sermon. At the end of chapter 14, verse 31, it's, Jesus says to them, Arise, let us go from here. And so he and the 11 remaining apostles go out of that upper room. Now, I see a couple of folks here who've been with us to Israel. So you remember the upper room was over on the far side of the mount. And you have to go all the way across the city of Jerusalem on this flat top to get to the Mount of Olives where he's going that night, the night before he dies. And so as he's walking through the city with his disciples, because it's Passover, we know it was spring, probably a warm night, he's telling them lots of things. And he's telling them about life in him, the really big questions. And he knows this is his last opportunity to talk to them. He's going to be dead the next day. Now, although the separation from their master was a painful prospect for these confused disciples, we understand, but they didn't have the book. They're living it. Nevertheless, they were to discover an inner strength 
and receive extraordinary comfort that's not available to them up until this moment. And then the Holy Spirit will come, of which you and I are the recipient of. This is Grow in Grace with our teacher, Pastor Ed Ray. Let's return now to John 16. Jesus has been speaking about his leaving, and now he turns and explains to them for the very first time in Scripture anywhere who the Holy Spirit is and why he's coming. Now, throughout the centuries, there's been running debates about the Holy Spirit misunderstandings concerning the person and the work of the Holy Spirit. Some think of the Holy Spirit as it, an impersonal being, something like a divine force, maybe like a bad Star Trek or the force be with you kind of thing. He is neither. The Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity just as much God as the Father and as the Son, our God. Three in one, equal yet separate. Now, I say that like I understand it. I do not. I freely admit to you that I do not completely understand the Trinity. And I've studied it for more than 40 years now. Some of the most brilliant theologians and pastors and teachers and, that I've read I don't think any of them understand it either. So this concept of Trinity, three people in one, is a mystery. But I don't think we're supposed to understand it. You see, I think it's the good news that you can't understand, that I can't understand the Godhead. Because if I could explain him, he probably wouldn't be big enough to handle the whole world's problems, let alone mine. So we shouldn't feel badly that we can't. Now, I know some of the answers. Well, it's like an egg. You know, there's a yolk and there's the white and there's the shell. I don't think God looks like an egg. Well, it's like water. You know, water is a, a, gets me steam, so it's a gas. It can be a solid like ice or it's a liquid. I don't think God is a liquid. I'm being facetious because my point is it's okay to not know. He's God and he's here right now. And he's teaching, and he's ministering, and he's leading you and I into more truth. The truth will set you free, Jesus said. Faith comes by hearing the word. God's word is what we're studying. Okay, this section breaks up into three parts. First, the statement, these things Jesus keeps saying in verse 1 through 6. And then he talks about leaving. Who's leaving? 9 through 11, himself. And then who's coming? This last section, 12 through 15, the Holy Spirit. That's where we're going. But it's not a simple trip. So fasten your seatbelts, put on your head. Let's go. These things, verse 1, I have spoken to you that you should not be made to stumble. Every time Jesus says something, of course, we can be certain it's important. But when he repeats himself, five times in six verses. It must be really important. So he says to them, there are some things that he has been telling them as they were ministering together over the last three and a half years and evidently that evening. These things we know 
because it's recorded by an eyewitness. John himself was there. So number one, Jesus told them about his soon coming death. He's going to die. And he told them in advance. Number two, he taught them about humility, forgiveness, and service by washing the feet of his own apostles. He told them that one of them was about to betray him. And that's happened already. Why is he telling them prophecies about things that are going to happen? So that they would have faith and trust in him. It's really the story of the whole Bible. God gives us things that are going to happen before they happen so that when they happen, we can look at it and go, oh, you knew that all the time, Lord. Jesus is coming. He's going to be born in a little tiny village called Bethlehem. And when he came, that's exactly where he was born. And when he came into the city of Jerusalem, he's going to, supposed to be riding on a donkey, and that's exactly how he came into Jerusalem. And then he was going to be crucified on a cross and that he would be between criminals and then he would be buried in a borrowed grave and all these prophecies more than 300 of them concerning just the Messiah are there to encourage you and me God knows about our life too before it happens before it happens the Bible is the only book ever done on the planet that you can go back and check and see that things that were prophesied before they happened, happened. Now, somebody challenged me the other day, well, how can you say that? You're just saying that because you know how they happen. No, no, no. We have the Dead Sea Scrolls. We have the Dead Sea Scrolls that has all the prophecies in it about Jesus, and it's dated from 200 B.C., before the Messiah was born. Uh-oh, there goes an island that a lot of atheists are standing on. It's sinking. It happened in 1946, and they just found some more in the last two months. So the Bible is about prophecy. All these things, he told them that they had to be connected to him. Number seven, the vine, abide. Number eight, he told them that they would not have any spiritual lasting fruit. Your life won't last, he's saying, without their lives. Connected to him, they'd be meaningless. You want significance? Connect yourself to Jesus. He told them to love one another. How's that going for you on the freeway? Number 10, he told them he wanted them to have joy. The only way to have real joy was to stay connected to him. 11, that if they would do all these things, love him, love one another, love those whom they were telling about Jesus, that the world would still hate them. <laughs> that's an interesting way to try and recruit people. But that's what he's telling them. Because he wants them to know before it happens. That's not be made to stumble. Interesting Greek word scandalizo and it's where we get our english word to be scandalized but a little more precisely it's actually the place where a trap is set and the trigger of it like if you're trying to catch mice or something and you put cheese on the little trigger that's the scandalizo so jesus is saying i don't want you to be caught off guard I told you all these things so you, they wouldn't throw you off 
your path. He wasn't trying to keep secrets. He was telling the straight stuff before it happened. He's not leading them along blinding. You know, it's not like the cruise you get on and it's five days when it's really three and they count the first day and all that stuff. He's doing this because his disciples had unrealistic expectations. Actually, we've all gone through that. They thought that if they were honest, simple, straightforward, then the world would respect them. (laughs) No. Unrealistic expectations. Much of our life is learning to have realistic expectations about life. A young man was talking to me just recently. He went through a lot of problems. He's going through a lot of stuff, single guy. And at the end of it, he said, you know, I think I just need a wife and then everything would be okay. And not long after that, a young lady from the University of Redlands came in, went through her list of problems. She said, you know, I I think I just need a husband. Then everything would be okay. (laughs) And I said to both of them at different times the same thing. Okay, let's see. You take one sinner and you put them with another sinner under the same roof. And then the sinnerettes start coming. How's that working? It doesn't take away problems. In case you're sitting here in love and going, oh yeah, but he's going to solve all my problems. He's so wonderful. I don't want to burst any balloons, so we'll just stop there. But let me tell you, this is not heaven. Have you noticed? This is earth. (laughs) Earth is a lost world, but it's not a forsaken world. God has not forsaken this world. He sent his son to redeem this world. I didn't come to the world to condemn the world, he said, but that through me, you might have life. God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son. So when you're getting discouraged because you've been watching TV news too much, (laughs) remember, earth is lost, but not forsaken. And you're part of the solution. Verse 2. They will put you out of the... Throw you out of church. Huh. Yes, the time is coming. Whoever kills you... That can't be good. Whoever kills you will think that he offers God service. He's doing God a favor by killing you. We have at least one person in our church who grew up in an Orthodox Jewish home. And when he became a Christian here several years ago, his family had a funeral for him, and they haven't talked to, him, talked to him since in more than five years. He's dead to them, and they think that they're doing it for God. You will be of the opinion, literally, that he's bringing worship to God. He thinks Paul the apostle was once Saul, Saul of Tarsus. And you remember, he was running around killing Christians, persecuting the church, Philippians 3.6. He's killing Christians. And he thought God was so excited for him (laughs) until God knocked him off his high horse on the way to Damascus. Thanks for joining us for Grow in Grace with Pastor Ed Ray. We're going through the Gospel of John together from start to finish. For a CD copy of today's message, just call 844-77-GRACE. That's 844-77-GRACE. Or you can listen online at thepackinghouse.org. You'll find an archive of past radio programs there too, which comes in handy should you miss a message on the radio. 
Go to thepackinghouse.org and look for our radio page. You know, it takes a team to bring Grow and Grace to you, and we look to our listeners to help make all of this possible. We have an exciting resource to tell you about. It's True Spirituality by Francis Schaeffer. After serving the Lord as a pastor for many years, Francis began to wonder if Christianity really made a difference in people's lives. True spirituality, you could say, is the result of his effort to re-examine his faith. And if you want to discover what true spirituality looks like in everyday life, this is the book for you. We'll send you a copy when you support Grow in Grace today with a gift of any amount. And as you give, you'll be helping many others around the country and around the world to grow in grace as well. Just give us a call, 844-77-GRACE. That's 844-77-GRACE. And we want to hear from you. Even if you're not in a position to be able to give, whether it's a word of encouragement, a comment related to the study, a question or a prayer request, email us today at packinghouseradio at aol.com. That's packinghouseradio at aol.com. And then join us next time as together we grow in grace through a study in John's Gospel with Pastor Ed Ray. This program is presented by the Packing House Christian Fellowship in Redlands. Zion, now filled with hands, and in this place gotta dwell with man. Sick be healed and the crippled stand singing hallelujah. My kingdom built with the blood of my son, selfless sacrifice for everyone. Faith, hope, love, and harmony. I said let this world know me by your